It's Fantasy Fiction Friday! Today I'll be reading chapter 33 of The Dragon Collector for you. Now this is the montage chapter. Skills take time to develop and I needed Javen to develop some skills, which means he needed to put in the work day after day after day. Only I didn't want to record the minute details of his training because that would bore my readers. And me. So to keep me from being bored writing this section, I imagine what the scene would look like as a two-minute movie montage with upbeat music playing in the background. Then I write what I envision that movie montage would look like. Ready to view the montage with me? Well, hang on just a sec. First, I want to remind you about the workshop. It's happening on August 23rd. You have a chance to attend a live virtual writer's workshop the likes of which has never been done before. You will get to collaborate with me, the other attendees, and AI to write a short story that has never been written before. During this workshop, you will learn the basic principles of the three-act story structure. This three-act framework is the backbone of great storytelling, so when you understand this structure, your stories become easier to write and harder for readers to put down once they start reading. Since you don't really learn something until you experiment with that knowledge, we're going to do some writing experimentation during the workshop. We'll let AI do the fast writing for us to demonstrate the structure elements, and every attendee will have a chance to contribute at least one idea towards the creation of this story. So if you show up and participate, you will have the chance to be a contributor of a short story I will read on this podcast in a future episode. Did I mention it's free to attend? And that the amazing group of guys who are making incredible progress on their books within the League of Adventurous Authors will be in the workshop? And that I'll be opening the doors to the League at the end of this workshop? Well, it is free. The authors in the League will be attending, and you'll have a chance to join the League when I reopen the membership again at the end of the workshop. So if you need to jumpstart your imagination in preparation for the workshop, check out episode 72. But first, let's go to Xandador. It's Fantasy Fiction Friday! That means it's time for an escape break with author DK Drake. This is the part of the show where your host, author DK Drake, reads you a snippet of one of her stories. So if you're intrigued by a world where dragons exist and people live for hundreds of years, stay tuned for a show designed for sheer entertainment purposes. Still here? Fantastic. Prepare for adventure, for you are now entering the land of Xandador. Chapter 33, Training Days. The fatigue and hunger from the past 24 hours combined with the daunting mission of the days ahead overwhelmed Javen the second he descended the ladder and stepped foot into the training room. So instead of strapping on his stalker swords, he dropped to his knees and tried to pray. But no words came as he thought about what was required of him. People who had been alive for centuries were depending on him to free them from the rule of the Dark King. Dragons who were on the verge of extinction needed him to find them and ride them and save them. The world he grew up in was facing an unknown global tyrannical threat that only he could stop. That was a lot of pressure for a teenager whose biggest concern last week was how to get the girl of his dreams to notice him despite his scrawny build and acne-covered face. It was also a lot of pressure he wasn't prepared to handle on his own. He needed some help, human as well as divine, to carry him through the tough days that were sure to follow. Finally, he was able to muster four emotion-packed little words. God, please help me. Help is here. Startled, Javen looked up to find Ravier standing beside him. Thanks for coming. You won't be thanking me in a minute, Ravier said. Get your swords. We have work to do. Javen smiled, offered a quick thanks to God for sending him help, and jumped up to retrieve his swords. Again. But better. Again but better. Again, but 
better. Such were the words of Ravier's refrain. Over the course of the next four weeks, never did Javen hear Ravier say anything close to, good job, or that's it, or nice work. After Javen executed a skill well with his swords or stun balls, it was always, again, but better. It was always spoken in a monotone, again, but better. It was always spoken no matter how many times he had done the same move, again, but better. So Javen would bite his tongue and practice the move again, but better. He had decided that if Ravier wasn't going to offer any words of encouragement, Javen wasn't going to offer any words at all. He kept his mouth shut, did everything Ravier told him to do, and got through each sword-fighting lesson in silence. He'd wanted to talk back, argue and complain more times than he could count. But playing with his swords and stun balls was fun, especially when he bested Ravier at his own sword-fighting game during their sparring sessions. Plus, Ravier was an admittedly good teacher. He controlled his own sword like it was an extension of his body and masterfully pushed Javen to get better and better each day. The way Ravier taught, Javen was forced to improve. And fast. They used real swords to practice with, and he didn't much like getting scrapes and cuts from the edge of Ravier's sword. More than that, he hated seeing the joy in Ravier's eyes when the slightest trickle of Javen's blood ended up on his grandfather's sword. Training with Hamilton was an entirely different experience. Moments of silence during their training sessions were rare, and the jovial Hamilton had no shortage of praise for Javen. While Javen drove himself to improve with his swords by feeding off Ravier's negative energy, he drove himself to improve his fighting ability by feeding off Hamilton's positive energy. When the two men worked together to train Javen in joint sessions in the evenings, Javen found himself ignoring Ravier as much as possible and focusing on pleasing Hamilton. Then there was Aster. The most intense physical work he did with the old man was walk through the woods, but it was his sessions with Aster that left Javen feeling the most drained. The ancient intellectual maintained a running monologue for hours that he expected Javen to not only retain, but regurgitate at a moment's notice. His body may not have gotten much of a workout, but his mind was saturated with an abundance of information he found it difficult to process. If he didn't get a nap after one of his dragonology lessons, Javen was useless for the rest of the day. And his days became long, repetitive, and predictable. He was up an hour before Dawnstalker feeding time so he could get in a five-mile run around the shield-protected city of Grieve before breakfast. Breakfast was always followed by two to three hours of sword fighting and stun ball throwing, then another two to three hours of hand-to-hand -hand combat. After a brief break for lunch at Noonstalker feeding time, he would spend the next four hours with Aster training his mind to recognize plants and animals and trees reading books and charts and maps to understand the land and dragonology and learning how to stealthily track the animals in the nearby woods. He would take a brief nap before dinner at Duskstalker feeding time, then spend his entire evening in joint training sessions with Ravier and Hamilton, fighting his way through obstacle courses, weightlifting, and practicing his dragon-collecting skills on Octis. He was in bed by midnight stalker feeding time, only to get up and do everything again the next day. But better. Little by little, Javen felt himself getting stronger, tougher, smarter, the training regimen was physically and mentally grueling, but the side effects were worth it. His pasty white skin that had never before managed to tan turned to bronze from the hours spent outside, making his green eyes appear to glow with a deeper intensity than ever before. He packed on a good 20 pounds of pure muscle, and although it had nothing to do with his training, he hit a growth spurt and grew nearly two inches. And thanks to a special cream Hannah concocted, his acne faded away. He had clear, tan skin and muscle on his bones for the first time in his life. He was starting to look and feel like the king Xandador needed him to be. Except for the nightmares. They didn't plague him every night, but they did plague him. 
The most common one was the mental rebroadcast of the day his mother was captured. He watched himself stand idly by as his mother walked toward three armed soldiers, then hold a dagger to her throat as she threatened to kill herself to save him. He watched himself do nothing as Micah analyzed him and deemed him worthless. He watched his mother beg him to leave as she surrendered to her captor. He watched himself refuse her desperate request. He watched himself attempt to fight, only to be soundly beaten, hurt, and humiliated. He watched himself groaning on the ground while his enemies whisked his mother away. He watched himself fail again and again and again. So weak, so helpless, so defeated. It was those emotional waves of devastation that always jolted him awake. At first, he would sit in the dark for hours, wallowing in his own pity party because he lacked the ability to save her that day. Then he would wonder where she was, how she was doing, what she was enduring as a prisoner. As the days wore on, however, the training began to change how he responded to the nightmares. When they woke him, he would forego his pity party and do something that made him feel empowered. Push-ups, sit-ups, boxing moves, phantom sword fighting, while mentally reviewing all he had learned that day in training or he would will himself back to sleep and change the end of his dream. In the revised version, his four dragon stalkers would swoop onto the scene. He would be armed with his stalker swords and stun balls and lead his dragons in a charge against Micah and his two goons. Micah would cower before Javen and his stalker collection, while Javen and Esmeralda would safely escape on the back of the dragon who once called him unqualified. The experiences with Mertzer and Opni also sparked nightmares. He would dream that any time he approached a dragon, it would laugh at him just before killing him with its specialized weapon of lightning bolts, fire, acid, or poison. Such fear fed his doubts about his ability to collect dragons, but it also fueled his desire to work harder the next day than the day before. He was determined to be prepared for Opni or Mertzer the next time. He was determined to be prepared for Opni or Mertzer the next time they met. On that day, no dragon would dare attempt to kill him or toss him aside as unqualified. If you enjoyed today's Escape Break episode but don't want to wait to find out what happens next, click on over to authordkdrake.com. There you can become a DK Drake Insider, secure your free starter library, and access all the books from the Dragonstalker Bloodline saga that are available for sale on Amazon. In the meantime, I dare you not to dream of dragons tonight. <laughs>